0: Hi, guys, it's America. And Teresa. So, we're taking a break in January
1: and we want you to check out some of our favorite episodes. So, we'll be back.
0: Keep on fighting in the open. Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America where we talk all things mental health related. Hi everybody, welcome back. It's Teresa um, on our podcast, In the Open, and I'm here with two guests today. Super awesome that it—you guys are our first guests. Yes. That aren't MHA staff. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. you. If I wasn't seated, I
2: would uh, take a bow or something.
0: I mean, I did a jiggle. Little (laughs) dance. Thank you. So. I want to get to know you guys, because I know America introduced us. But tell me who wants to start to just tell me a little bit about like, why you give a crap about mental health? Sure. <laughs>
1: why? Are you why here? do we give a crap about <laughs> mental health? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Um, so I'll speak, I guess, from a personal perspective. First, um, I care about mental health, because as I say tomorrow, and tomorrow is that there's no health without mental health. And I realized that at a very young age that I need to stabilize my mental health to get through any task that I was completing. Um, and that led me to a professional career in mental health, first being an ABA counselor working with adolescents on the spectrum, autism spectrum, then leading me to get my master's um, in mental health counseling, leading me to the addictions field where I've been for the last four or five years as a substance use clinician. and Mario and I had a friendship dated back since college years. And we've always, you know, again, prioritized talking about mental health because we realized there's no other way to get through this thing called life without, you know, having a conversation about that, um, which landed us into creating our own podcast. Yeah. And you're Princess. I am Princess Asia. It's my first and last name. Princess Asia
0: and... Mario.
2: Yeah, we can go with Mario. Mario, (laughs) hi. Mario. Yes.
0: Yeah. So you guys were best friends. Yes. Yes.
2: Were, are, will be. (laughs) Will be. Right, you're right.
1: Forever till death. And beyond.
2: And beyond.
1: Yeah, we've been best friends since college where we we met playing sports. And it's been amazing 13, 14 years just growing individually and then like just as a friendship.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Really thankful. I love it.
1: So, I
0: want to give Mario a, a bit of a time to tell us about himself, but then I want to come back to this friendship.
2: Absolutely. So for me, similar to to uh, Princess Asia, is that I always knew from a young age that I would thought differently um, than my peers. And once I started, you know, sports was was introduced to my life pretty early and using or connecting my life with sports and my household Um, and seeing what differences I had in my life due to sports, and but not really understanding how my friends and I were different, where we were in our circumstances. So I started to think more and more about like, what was it that I was doing or not doing or thinking? And that kind of always, that started the wheel of thinking outside of just physical health. And then, yeah, getting into college, meeting a like-minded person and, and really starting to dig deep into, you know, my whys. Why do I do things? Why are other people doing things? Why are we connected? Why does uh, our friendship bond stronger? You know, how, how does athletics help us with that? And just the whole, all all my whys. And um, like Princess said, we, we started to add language as we became closer, got more vulnerable, didn't have like that word in its intention now, but we really, you know, had to find moments where we're like, yo, this is crazy, you know, in college, we were both had to live up to certain expectations and, and, and live up to certain things. And, you know, that started to really, really um, put my mind into, it's bigger than anything I'm doing physically. And uh, once I was able to play, um, I had a pretty, pretty good college career, was able to play um, some professional ball. And, you know, that's when I started to really take the, the knowledge and gaining knowledge of mental health and the the words and the the concepts and not just running with my own theories and anecdotes and in my own life, but learning that like this thing is so important for people like me, for me specifically, and then knowing that I'm not the only one. I can't be the only one because I've seen it from childhood and even into college and now into adulthood.
0: So you said you had a podcast? We
1: have a podcast. Yes. called Talk about it.
0: Talk about it. How? What? Tell me a little bit about whoever wants to tell me a little bit about the podcast. What
1: is it about? What is it about? So we just wrapped up season one and we're heading into season two shortly. Um, so talk about it. podcast. Initially, it started. We wanted to have topics, mental health, as well as acknowledging uh, athletes at, at all levels. However, what we realized is that there was just so much mental health to talk about Um, and there's just so much mental health. And of course we tried to add in the athletics into that where we feel it's necessary and it aligns. We came up with this by just saying, man, people need to hear. (laughs) So honestly, people need to hear some of these conversations. Not only do they need to hear, they need to join some of these conversations and add their own stories and their own Mm -hmm. perspectives and just have people talking about their mental health and their stories, their struggles, their healing process. And why not, start a podcast around that. I love it.
2: And, um, and and big thanks to, to our, our, our network. It was geared around, you know, like Asia and I would have these talks, you know, any platform, you know, text, call (laughs) in person, psychedelic, (laughs) any, any, any conversation we needed to have nonverbal, whatever. And it was like, we could always, you know, make analogies or connect dots using our sports background. Hmm. So that's kind of where we definitely push that sports connection first. Like, geez, life is wild. Remember how life was so wild. and then this sports, you know, scenario, this sports experience. And then as Princess mentioned, we start to to realize like every time we talk about something that's connected with sports, it really hits harder, hits more, just the understanding that. Sports was our platform to help us recognize the everyday common you know struggles and and experiences that that um, struggling with mental health or being aware of mental health on a on a surface level or deep level or whatever um comes into play
0: I was like the nerdiest most <laughs> tripped up picked the last just it was real embarrassing I had no friends. Oh, man. I do not I still do not understand the sports ball. Sports thing.
1: ball. I mean <laughs> you saying that like makes me really good, the sports ball. Thing. <laughs> I'm playing on my But
0: <laughs> but I don't even know what that means, what you just said. Like I have no like context or even understanding what you mean by making connections, but I'm very curious. Like what do you mean when you're like, oh, I'm connecting my mental health to my sport experience, oh, yeah. and this is really b- being like a eye-opening thing? Like, what does that even, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> for me, the only analogy I have is to cower in fear. Oh man, <laughs> oh, my, oh, yeah. Oh, my,
2: oh. <laughs> Yo, so the thing about that—that's that's funny. Shame and
0: fear. The thing
2: about that is that a lot, a lot of that shame, and a lot of that fear is actually hyper intertwined with everyday (laughs) athletics. So like there's two ways I can add context. One is coming from the outside in right now as being what what, uh, Asia and I deem ourselves as former athletes, even though you never really lose it. You know, right now I think about, I I work with youth and youth development, the youth, youth development field. And I think about high school students, especially the seniors, maybe even some juniors and what back to school feels like. And right now the back to school feel the, the pressure is intensified for a football player or any fall sport athlete because not only are you going into your senior year where it matters friends this this and that but also you're thinking about kids that want to play at the the highest level or or have certain personal goals have certain team goals so you add that you know what could be anxiety what could be pressure what could be expectation as a senior to say this is either my last hurrah or i have to get that scholarship so i can go to school because my parents can't pay for it and so that's like one angle that we always get to to connect like just mental health with like th- that sports scenario. Personally, August was always a time where it's like, that was the, you you have to be prepared by August. So, you know, you live this oh. calendar of, of, you know, summertime where it, it seems fun, but from 2004 to 2008, you know, college, specific to college, the summertime was spent getting prepared for your season. It was not, we found times to have fun because what, you know, what college, what college student doesn't, oh, yeah. but that idea and, and pulling from, you know, having to get up at six a.m. for for workouts, you know, <laughs> on on a beautiful uh, eighty-five degree day in July, and what that means for like if you are not feeling well and you missing out on that vitamin D early on because you got to go focus, you got to you got to contribute, you've got people relying on you, all these things that can come into play. So those are the contexts that we like to bring up or, or in season one or just in our daily lives that that help us, you know, connect mental health um, to everyday stuff.
1: Gotcha. For me, in everyday life, just with going back to the analogies of things, like right now in my life, I consider this. I'm in the fourth quarter with a few minutes left on the clock, and that's how I do my everyday. And if I say that to Mario, he'll know what I'm talking about. I'm always relating real life issues to sports, whether it's basketball or football, because I love football and he loves basketball. And it's just great to just have that understanding and, the, and that language around it. For instance, I'm, you know, in between transitioning doctoral programs right now while working full time, having um, the talk about a podcast and, and getting ready for season two and it's fourth quarter time and, I'll say, you know, October is my off season. Mm. So pretty soon I'll get to rest. Mm. So I'm in fourth quarter right now. And I just got to push through and figure things out. And, yeah. and it's not a layup. <laughs> it's not a layup yesterday with the, the malfunction, the malfunction with the technology, Teresa, I told Mario, I go, man, I can't uh-huh. believe that. that right. a fumble. Literally <laughs> that was, that didn't, fumble even, didn't even connect
2: that. Cause I automatically <laughs> knew in the language, like a fumble is like the, yeah. that's the play you don't make as a football player. You know, you, you never want to yeah. fumble. Yeah. And, and she said, you know, Asia just said,
1: yeah i was like wow what a fumble and mario with words in a football game what he did is kind of yep. hit my helmet like after a fumble he goes it's it's not a fun it, it happened but like let's just you know pick it up so and, and i felt that and i'm just like in the game and i'm like ah oh, it's just a fumble but i'm like all right you gotta that is shake it so off wild. <laughs>
0: basically you're telling me that there's layers of understanding and metaphors that i just don't have access to this is, this is a podcast on cultural yeah. competency this is, this is, a, this is a, an example of why you can't do cultural competency without coming from that culture because you i have to have lived a life of understanding that a fumble like you drop the ball no you didn't just drop the ball yeah. you let down yourself and your playmates and your com- country you know exactly country. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly the entire country that's hilarious yeah it's, it's a lot of those analogies and like and Teresa don't feel bad anytime we're around friends like or partners they're like oh, oh well, here we go you know yeah that's yeah. yeah. that Scorpio <laughs> talk they'll say because we're both Scorpios of course
2: I had to say that really on air
1: funny
0: <laughs> so today we're gonna talk about um feeling pressure and expectations which you guys kind of already introduced but maybe you know I mean I can share about feeling pressure at different times but I really want to hear from you all like what was that like for you thinking back or thinking about now like what does pressure even mean what does it look like
1: for you I'll give it in the beginning of my college career the pressure I had dealing with athletics but it was coming from more of a personal place in my personal life but affecting athletics and unfortunately I was in high school and I was uh, a troubled teen. That's all. All right. That's an adult way to say it. I was a troubled teen. And I lost a lot of my college opportunities Mm -hmm. um, due to that, just kind of playing around, not doing what I needed to be doing. And I lost the opportunity to play at the college level at the time. And I had a lot of pressure because I was known in my like, that's all I had. You know, I come from a lower um, income background and to make it out of that environment typically it's sports that would carry you out of that environment so i had a lot of pressure to continue playing or just to get out of that environment and what it felt like at that time i believe i was 18 years old what it felt like at that time if i don't do this then i'm no good Mm. and that kind of pressure at that age it's really not something i knew how to communicate because i didn't really know what i was experiencing at the time however with that pressure at that age. And where's the pressure coming from? I'm unsure, I guess, just trying to, you know, assume that people have these expectations of me because this is the one thing that I'm very good at. And I had a lot of pressure, how am I going to continue my athletics or get to the college level? And I was able to do that with some support from a mentor and just sending out highlight tapes and things like that. And then one school replied to a highlight tape, but they happened to be in Kansas and I was in Boston. And, um, the pressure was on. Am I going to, you know, season was starting in about two weeks when the the coach reached out to me and there was a lot of pressure on me. Like I can stay here, you know, in Lowell, Massachusetts and continue (laughs) working at KFC, shout out KFC. I was working there at the time, or I could, you know, take this chance and, you know, get on this plane and and take my career, my athletic career to Kansas. But there was Mm -hmm. just so much pressure to make a decision. And primarily it was just a sports decision I was trying to make in that, in that moment. And as I reflect back, I moved like I didn't have a choice. Mm. There was nothing else but pressure at the time. So there was no other option but for me to give in to the pressure and make a choice. In the game, obviously, that's very different, but that's just a very specific scenario where I had the, the pressure to perform or to take action. And I ended up, I guess, making the right choice and flying to Kansas and then, you know, later on receiving the Division One mm-hmm. basketball scholarship. So there was a lot of pressure around just me getting out of my situation and and connecting to sports in that way to be deemed successful. Mario, we relate to that.
2: Oh, big time! And I know that's that's a that's a you know a mountain moment for for Princess and and you know we can probably pull out like four or five of those in a in our current lifespan. But for mine, I will uh, I'll fast forward a little bit. As I mentioned, I had a pretty pretty good career. I was I was supposed to be good at the sport. I came into the schools with the expectation that I was going to be, you know, one of the better players on the team. That was just understood um due to, you know, circumstances in in my high school career. So I met that expectation the best that I could a 17, 18, 19-year-old could. So we get to my um it will be my fourth year in school, but my third year of eligibility on the field, which is another story of resilience and um youthful ignorance, but <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm in my third year on the field and I've always had a three-year plan as far as the field goes, because I put that much work and effort into the sport and it was time to play professionally for me. And what that meant though, from my childhood on is that it was to take care of my family. Um, and at that time, my friends, I wanted to, ta- I would always say, I want to take care of the hood. Like, I can't wait to get to the league so I can take care of the hood. Mm-hmm. That was the goal, you know, and I'm from Detroit, Michigan. So, you know, chronicle history of, of economic crisis and and whatnot and living through that. So I'm getting to, you know, a couple games into my senior year and every week the pressure is building because you have to put together this resume um, coming from a division or one school, the position I play, you know, my stature, my physical stature, I'm, I will be considered small for the position I play. Luckily I, I was, I was pretty fast, but you know, having to live up to those challenges and and knowing what I was going to face, but not being able to back down from that leading uh, all the way up to, you know, the final, the, my final game. And, and there's a buzz uh, around, you know, me leaving school, even though I had another year of eligibility, if I would apply to it, obviously the coaching staff wanted me to take that, (laughs) take that extra year. But for me in my head, I didn't have any more time. Uh, Things were happening at home that I didn't share with anyone in um, the need for, for, you know, me to, to get, get going with, with this set, uh, and, and get the, get the paycheck. So, you know, the buzz was building and um, I had this decision to make to, to actually make myself eligible for the, for the NFL draft. And I did do that. And, you know, things started to, to, to go my way in a sense, but then um, my school, actually, there's this thing called a uh, pro day, which, you know, athletes use to, Exhibit their talents to professional scouts and coaches and Robert Morris didn't have one. Um, and so I had to figure out what pro day to get to. And that was pressure in itself. And once I was lucky enough to to be able to go to the University of Michigan, which has a storied, storied football background, um, all 31 NFL teams come this this pro day. I got, I'm there as the only non-Michigan athlete, you know, non-University of Michigan athlete and all these guys, as much as I had the expectations of being great, theirs are that much higher. So I have to live up to being compared to these guys with a short physical stature first time I'm in the facility and, you know, and then perform physically and take all the, like, I can't show any mental duress, any mental stress, any mental strain, and just perform my best physically. So all what was riding on it was taking care of the hood. So that, that there was, um. Was a moment where I'm like, this is what pressure is.
0: That's a lot of weight. I mean, like, that, like, I'm hearing your story and like thinking about what pressure is. And you're describing that these decisions that we sometimes, in some ways, think about privilege like, you're privileged if you can make a decision about going to college without <laughs> the weight and the responsibility oh of saving your hood. Or, say, or being the breadwinner for your family, or the pressure of being the first one mm-hmm. in college. That's a lot of weight, right? So that's what pressure is. You can't just make a decision that could be just like a nice decision for you. You're focusing on so many other things and other people. And the expectations are like, what does that decision mean? And I got to make it now and I got to do it not for me but for other people mm-hmm. other things that I am now taking care of that that's a lot of pressure yeah.
1: i don't know if this is the right way but the way i live my life that it's it's always bigger than me it's always been bigger than me i'm the middle child of seven siblings so i want to follow in my you know in some of my older siblings footsteps as well as provide you know a new version a new view of life from what's been handed to us the cards that has been dealt We were raised by my grandmother, so her highest level of education, I believe, was seventh or eighth grade, and what's college to us? So I felt like I had the pressure. I know no one ever said to me, make sure you go to college, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. Those aren't really the expectations, to be honest. However, I know I just needed to stay alive and, and not get pregnant or do drugs, so the expectations weren't that high from others, I feel like, but for myself, I knew my potential and I knew that if I was present enough that things would align for me and I knew I had the the natural ability to play basketball. So I took advantage of that privilege to provide for others outside of my family, just my community, those who have similar stories to myself. So that pressure, to be honest, sometimes it's it's coming from yourself because you just have the knowledge and the awareness that you could do better. So do it. There are. It is unspoken in many ways. It's hard when
0: you're feeling that you feel when you're feeling pressured. Yeah, I mean, It's right. just like stressed, right? Like you're just like like die, like dying, maybe.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, I would. Um, <laughs> it's weird, actually. W- w- one thing that that what sport has done for me for me, <laughs> I'm gonna say for me because I've you know used it and made it an asset is that what sport has done for me is that takes that feeling. To now and 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 Princess hears me say it all the time, or anyone that's that's in my relative circle, is that like I don't really feel pressure anymore because I've taken that goosebump or butterfly or you know bubbly feeling in my stomach, and I've equated it to get ready to act, (laughs) be ready to act, and so I think I was talking to you, Princess, and I was like, it feels like a punt return. And that's you know when when the one the opposite team kicks the ball to to the uh the other team, and they and, you know and so I was the guy that caught the ball and was trying to score points, and it was one of the things I was best at, and that but that feeling like you can never shake that okay, run all the worst case scenarios through your head. Um, and then, you know, be ready to act once it's going, no more thinking. So now that thought, that thought, now that tense feeling that we all feel, you know, that tense feeling of, of pressure, that tense feeling of expectation. And I think maybe w- what I'm saying is that that tense feeling of of not meeting the expectation, you know, before the time comes, I've learned or, you know, for better or for worse to a- a- equate with with action. And I think yeah. um, with with maturity, with a great support system that I've learned how to um, make better decisions based on that action more times than not.
0: So you're saying that like over time learning to recognize that feeling of pressure, but something that helped was that you became very good at releasing the valve. Like that was like your way of going pressure, build pressure, build got to act, act, release the valve. And then did you just say, screw it to all the thoughts that were going on in your head? Did you put it in a box? Like, were you just like, Nope. Like, I mean, that's
2: a good question. I say release the valve is actually great. And if if I say it again, I will give you the credit. But like release (laughs) the valve is amazing. I would say that what happens for me personally, is I'm confident I don't know where it came from. Maybe it was it was it was, you know, built up over time, but it's a confidence to say I've done all I can in this moment. Mm. You really don't have time to fail or you don't have time to say you can't. Like, analyzing is over. I can't create and analyze at the same time. And I'm very, very confident in my uh, ability to create or, you know, in in youth development language, be an asset. So, like, if you feel like you have some value, if you feel like you can be an asset, then once it's time to act, what I do is is rely and lean on that that value.
0: Cool. I want to come back to that. But before that, I want to clarify something that um, Princess said, which was... You know, one of the things wrestling with is trying to understand if the expectation is something you imposed on yourself or if it's coming from other people. And it is hard for us when we're trying to figure out like, why do I feel this pressure? Where does this expectation come from? To like, so talk to me about like how did you figure that out? Like how did you wrestle with like because sometimes I think we put pre- pressure on ourselves and it doesn't yeah. isn't until we're older where we're like, that was the dumbest thing. Why did I feel like I need to do that? Like pick that, and put it in my backpack, <laughs>
1: like <laughs> right. carry that responsibility.
0: You know, that wasn't even right. mine, but I felt like I needed to do it. And you're like, where did you, how did you come to figure out how to make sense of all that?
1: Two of the things that I constantly work on, one being my self-awareness and being able to hold myself accountable. And Every day, my self-awareness grows, and well, I, at least I put the effort in for it to grow. And what I realized is, to be completely honest is that others' expectations for me were too low. Hmm. And oh, interesting as I became more self-aware, i that is a skill in itself. And if I'm able to be self-aware and be more present, I can only imagine where i you know where I could be. So with that mindset, I started to realize, yeah, you guys have these expectations, but this, this is really me. This I, I'm holding myself accountable to saying all this pressure and everyone's asking me to do X, Y, and Z. And if they are, that's fine. However, me deciding whether or not to carry out that action, is some that's my responsibility to choose. So holding myself accountable to what I want to do, to what I want to say, how I want to live my life, and pointing out the discrepancies in other stories and, or in my story of the things I'm telling myself. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because
0: some of the similarities between you wrestling with what am I accountable for and like what is it that people are putting on me and listen to Mario say like – I'm working through my thoughts and I'm gaining confidence. I'm working through skills that helps me feel confident. It's basically describing a process where pressure and expectation moves from something that someone else puts on you that's external mm. on the outside. And how do you bring that inward? Because that, that may be the only way, right, for us to truly be able to build skills to manage pressure and expectations right. is to actually gain control. And the way you gain control is is like what you guys are describing is like those experiences that you had, they moved in inwardly to something that you could say, well, I did this and I have control of this. I make decisions about this thing in my life. How do you deal with what people say to you? Like, how do you set those boundaries so that like that crap doesn't come in when you're what did you call it? Chasing your ball. Sorry. <laughs> Chasing your ball. the ball. Um.
2: That actually works, though. Yeah, <laughs> that actually works. <laughs>
0: you didn't yeah. chase it. You actually caught it and ran. So I'm pretty sure catching I the pun. Catching what the pun, actually. Yeah. <laughs>
2: that's awesome no i think um,
1: how do i you know
2: and and it's it's again what sports has done i'm thankful for the privilege that i have to be in um, america where sports are held and a place that platforms you know my other deficiencies or my other advantageous things in my life but we literally have a crowd we literally have noise (laughs) that like can mimic Mm -hmm. and say like this is the outside thing that actually you have oh. no control over. It's you have you know you may have a stimulus to what they they do, but you have no control over how loud they're going to be, what, at what point they're going to yell, at what point they're going to yell their loudest. So how do you block that out? I think is is you know habit forming, repetition, you know those boundaries, mm-hmm. um, one big thing. This may sound bad, but this is one of those things that you get when you listen to our show. Is it like, Mario, are you sure you want to say that? But it's like, you're up there yeah. and I'm down here. And that's like the boundary in, in general or overall mm-hmm. or the analogy there is that we're playing two different roles right now. So my focus is on the role that I have to play. You know, your role may be in in, in this function. Your role may be only to be noise you know, and either you're going to cheer for me or against me, but I have to do the thing. I have to act uh, in this moment. And so learning that and building the habit to leaning into that role, because it's hard. And, and it's one of the things that we practice all the time. And coaches say a lot, like, it's going to be a loud Friday, Saturday, Sunday afternoon. It's going to yeah. be loud. They're going to be, you know, so that's not to say it's easy. I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying it's easy, but that is the habit forming and boundaries I feel are that difficult. What's the screaming from the outside? And how do you put yourself in a role that says, okay, you're going to scream. I'm not going to fight the, the the fact that you're screaming or that I hear you, the fact that I'm playing a different role than someone that has to, you know, be the noise.
0: Yeah. I like that because like the noise that comes from us sometimes is the noise of our trauma, right? Like hearing and thinking about the things, the bad things people say or do and, mm. that, and this. You're saying I have to build the habit of saying, you know what, what's my role? Today I choose me. Today I choose to do this thing. I gotta You had to identify your role (laughs) and you had to practice it. uh, Describing as a habit is exactly in many ways important because so much of expectations we like assume, just like I think I remember you said, Princess, like the expectation Mm. you had was if I didn't do this, I am a failure. Right. But how many times in our expectations and pressures do we go? This is a habit. I have to have a habit of saying, "No, what you put out is not what I'm going to take in. That is not me. Your loud boos are not me. That's your role. I'm right here. I'm going to catch this ball.
2: I'm going to kill it." There, hey, that was that was Teresa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
1: Okay, I'm going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but how about you? <laughs> how about you, princess? Yeah. Uh, boundaries is, again, an ongoing process. Establishing those boundaries, uh, trusting my own boundaries. And you mentioned kind of like taking the outside in and how I'd like to see it is that I'm taking it from the inside out mm. because everything around me is everything around me. But there's still me. Like Mario said, you know, everyone has to play their role and you don't know your role until you look within, until you accept what is within. Mm-hmm. And I guess for me, the pressure, <laughs> we talk about it in such a negative, like, right? It, it, yeah. It's a negative thing. Oh, this pressure, I love it, actually. Mm-hmm. I love it, let's go, <laughs> let's go. Mm-hmm. Where's the pressure at? Mm-hmm. I need it, I want the full court press. Mm-hmm. I want you you know, up on me when I catch this ball because I, want, I wanna show you my work. And if the pressure's not on, I can't say that I won't live up to my full potential, but let me show you what happens when I have that pressure. So sometimes it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I don't ever say, no, I don't want it. Please, if you have it to give, <laughs> yeah. please let me show you what I do under pressure. Um, and again, I think this is both because Mario and I, you know, are uh, offensive players in our sport. So that's really important to note that like, Yes, I'm pretty good at defense. However, I like to score, and I was in a position to score. And Mario also played a position to score. Um, Mm -hmm. In scoring, oh, it's a beautiful thing. You got to do a thing like that's your job in this sport. Yes, is one thing that we have to do. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I love the pressure to have to score, and the the fact that I'm in a role where I have to score. I always have to see the next play. Mm -hmm. I need to kill the play that I'm currently you know, devising, but the next play already has to be planned out until I score or yeah. until my team scores.
0: That makes a lot of sense because we say, look, people aren't going to live without anxiety. Like it's nor- it's normal to have anxiety. We all need pressure. Yes. Uh, just like we we procrastinate till it's yep. the end and then we, <laughs> then yeah. we do because we need pressure. But is there a moment in your life where you looked at the pressure you had and it was crushing expectation? what does it feel like for expectation to go overboard? You know, does it destroy
1: you in that point? I think that does really speak to me for my boundaries. I don't even want to put myself in situations anymore. Once I self-assess my, you know, and then also assess the environment, the situation, my boundaries going into that. So there's not only so much you can hand me. I don't care how much you have. I have a boundary. There's only, I. I'm telling you my capacity for that thing. Yeah. So... Being more self-aware is going to allow, it allows me to not even put myself in those situations where people are trying to put a two gallon, you know, of milk in, in my pocket. Yeah, <laughs> I can't, I don't have that. I told, look at my pocket. Remember, yeah, this is where I'm at with, with whatever you have. So whatever you have, it needs to fit in this. Yeah.
0: And you've learned over time to be, to say no and put it in its place to say, I I can't pick up that problem. I can't pick up what you're putting out.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a process. I'm still in that process, yeah. but yes. It's yeah.
0: interesting because I think of two different experiences in my life. If I said yes to something, like one day my sister was like, "Go to court for me." I was like, "What the hell? I don't want to go to court." That's scary. You know? <laughs> what? Yeah. So I go to court. First the whole time I'm like mad <laughs> and I'm, and then like and then I get to court and I'm it's horrible. Like I just cried the whole time. And then I cried and I yelled at her the whole way back. And I was just and then it was the first time in my life when I was younger thinking, why did I even say yes? Like, why did I say yes? You know, and it was a moment versus like a building expectation Mm -hmm. where I realize, oh my gosh, I don't know how to say no. I feel like I have to say yes to everything. And there are some people in my life where I especially don't feel like I can say no to. And I had to learn that, like, you know, maybe just avoid my sister because I can't say no to her. So I just got to hide for her for life. Don't ask me to help you because I can't say no to you. So I'm going to do a bunch (laughs) of things like go to court when I don't want to. But that pressure is different than the everyday grind. You know, I have a harder time setting boundaries with being a parent, for example. (laughs) Yeah. How much am I supposed to love my child before it kills me? Mm. Give or my um, husband, yeah, you know, like I gotta be good to my husband. <laughs> what is the measurement? <laughs> like, I don't want to be good to my husband or yep. work on this relationship or work at my job. <laughs> like sometimes you just it, it's so it's so like a, a smaller grind because they're not putting like court on your pocket or a gallon in your pocket. Cause when that happens, you're like, oh no, I don't want to take that gallon, but with some responsibilities in life, it's not. It's like they put a jelly bean. It's like a million jelly mm-hmm. beans over time.
2: Give me something else or nothing. No, I, I, I can relate to that big time. Um, You know, it, I love the jelly bean analogy because I love analogies. Another is scoring, you know, and... and um, it reminds me of a play, honestly. There was a moment in time that reminds me of this where, you know, the the steady everyday grind is showing up to practice, being disciplined, doing your your sprints, you know, making sure you're in good condition, studying your playbook. Those are like the normal, like that's not extra. You signed up for it. You actually are willful, willfully complicit in it. And then you got those game moments where it's like, okay, the ball's going to you for this play that's very important um <laughs> and you kind of oh, like it. i gotta agree to this i gotta, I gotta agree because i'm right you know <laughs> i'm here now you're and there begging was a time for it. exactly so it's like there was a time i um in my junior year which would be my second year of eligibility and it was the homecoming game so at that pressure it's the most important game everyone that's ever played at the school for the sport shows up everyone that has never played for the school shows up and Earlier in the game, I think it was the second quarter, second or third quarter. And this one play is called that is specifically for my position. Um, And again, with the context that Mario will make the play, that is always the baseline. So I don't know what happened. (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking about. But I ran the play completely wrong. I understood it. I tapped my head. I came to the sideline. You know, Coach Walton asked me what happened. I told him what happened. He gave me that look like oh. you are so aware of it that it makes me more frustrated. And so <laughs> and so, what end up happening is we go into uh, overtime with this team. And uh, we need the one one play, you know, win the game type of situation. Um, actually, fourth down, which is the last down you have to, to uh, keep a possession. In football, and we run the same play because it's a foolproof, foolproof play, and you know it's going to me. So I don't shrink. I make the play. You know, a game winning touchdown, and it, this is against the number nineteen team in the country. Um, so there's a very, very big deal. So it just reminded me of like agreeing, you know, in that feeling. In the first time I quote unquote agreed or said yes to this play, mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared to to make it happen. Um, and then learning, you know, OK, if I say yes, how to, to accomplish this or, you know, if if I say yes, how uh, what it looks like if I if I don't follow mm. through so I can know how and when to say yes.
0: Knowing how and when to say yes, which is weird wow. for me because you're saying you have a choice in this play. But I also don't think that you did. <laughs> like the <all> expectation wasn't. <laughs> yeah, no,
2: you don't. You know, no, you, don't, no. <laughs> you don't really. Nobody support. was
0: like, oh, it wasn't like Mario could tap out and be like, I'm not going to do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so princess any thoughts on um how do you deal with the slow building pressure i deal with it all the same to be honest pressure in general I, I, again i don't want to say that it's required for me to move I, i'm very action-based however i think there are parts of me that i'm still getting to know and what pressure does allows me access to that to to, to rise to the occasion and and I think pressure honestly speeds up that process. You really dealt with the opposite that you said that the low expectation was
0: something you had to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah. The low expectation. Well, then tell me about that. What does that feel like? What is that like then if you're like, if you had to deal with the way that low expectations make you oh, feel?
1: Um, <laughs> That laugh right there is what I do. <laughs> Like, currently, I laugh, you know, it's, and it's not in, in, in a malicious, like, oh, I'll show you and watch in this revenge. And it's not that it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> you don't know me. Mm. And that is fine, because I'm still getting to know to know me as well. But okay, here I am. And I'll show you. But again, I was 17, 18 at the time and realizing that, wow, you guys, All I have to do is go to college because I knew, again, I had had the talent to do do so, but I just had got expelled from high school and options were low. But I'm like, I just need to go to college, but I'm going division one. Is everybody on the same page with that? I'm still going division one. I don't know how right now, but that's where I'm going. And the expectation at that point was once, can you just stay out of trouble? And if you go to college, that would be amazing. But can you stay out of trouble? And again, at that age, I just knew my ability you know, I, ha- I had the support of my siblings, my family members that, you know, were encouraging me and acknowledged that I still had that ability um, despite my wrongdoings at that age. So the low expectations for me were like, OK, I will and I'll give I'll put five on that. You know, not only will I go to college, I'll go division one mm-hmm. um, and I'll get someone to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So any expectations at all, that's really not pressure for me. I can't say that that pressure for me at this point because someone else's expectations is still someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not me, but I do know my potential and I knew I know what's my responsibility at times. And again, this is a process. I'm speaking in the now. However, I know I still still have so much to learn about myself and what it means for people to bring me things that I don't agree with or mm-hmm. say things to me or invite me to places that I don't necessarily agree with or doesn't align with me. But yeah, so the low expectations at that age was, it, it was difficult in the sense... I hadn't experienced it before. That was one of my first times. Now, in my adulthood, again, it's uh, (laughs) a let's go. Yeah.
0: And in some ways, being able to overcome the negative voice, you know, the doubt or the fear, the crushing fear, whatever that happens to us when we're dealing. It sounds like you both had something that helped you build confidence, to keep going, to keep trying, to say I'm gonna I'm gonna do what I do, but also do more. Was there something in your life that helped you feel like you could keep going, even if you faced, you know, what we call failure or whatever? Mm-hmm. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think I know. I have I have growing up, my mother instilled so much one um, love, but also independence. Uh, she tells the story all the time that. I hear I was a crybaby as a child, as a baby, and that if I saw her in my crib and I saw her walk past my room, I would stand up and and, and cry for her, she would not walk she would hurry past me to make sure she, I, I didn't see her or if, if she did catch a, uh, I did catch a glimpse, she would you know so that de- that developed independence and, and she stuck with that. And I think you know the love plus the, that independence um, allowed for safe, secure trial and error. And for me, you know, being action-based, that trial and error, I never waste a failure. I never waste Mm -hmm. an error. Uh, And and that would be confidence builders because nothing ever, I've had some rock bottom moments, don't get me wrong, but, you know, I've never stayed there. I've never laid there, laid down. So each time that that error will bring me to what I would call a, a more challenging, bigger and better trial. And every time I would be willing to face more pressure or different expectation and more pressure and different expectation.
1: Oh, there's so many good nuggets in there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For me, the confidence I've come across has been, again, just the the self-assessment. Looking, you know, I have all the power that I need. I have everything that I need within. And I know that sounds so cliche to say, (laughs) right? Like, right. You want to change the world, start with self. And yes, actually. (laughs) i know i have just so much potential and 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 i'm still working on this thing that we call right now self-love whatever that means but outside of me i again i'm the middle child of seven siblings and we are extremely close um being raised by my grandmother she took us in at the age of nine and it's a bond that only pressure i feel like only hardship only trauma could really build. And sometimes I wonder, would I have a support had I not went through the things or we went through the things that we mm-hmm. went through? So I have always, I've been very thankful enough to have the support system to know what it's like to be down and out, but then also have the expectation of for for themselves to rise to the occasion. So I've always had those people around me, um, equally around me being the middle child, high and low to, to balance me out and to provide me with the reassurance that I would need at times, that I still need at times. Yeah. I hear pushing through.
0: I hear people set you up to feel like you could not see failure as the end. Both Mm. of you talk about, Seeing failure the way we want to see failure, because not failure, it's growth,
2: it's growth.
0: These trials will push you and hurt you, but they make you better. They make you who you are if you Mm. allow it to. If you allow it to do that for your life versus uh, sitting on the ground, utterly crushed, crying at our moms, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Exactly, (laughs) exactly.
1: (laughs) And do that like and, and i and i encourage people to do that if that's where you feel like you're at yeah. at the time like cry absolutely <laughs> you know give yourself whatever version of breaking down or stepping away um and i just want to add obviously like my best friend mario of i don't know how many years like i have my siblings but there's some things that you just want to talk to your best friend about all mm-hmm. right and I, i've had mario along the way for a lot of like These these stories that I'm mentioning on here to have a best friend that's, you know, also working on similar things in his own way, not doing it my way, but I know he's doing that self work and having a, a friendship, a best friend who acknowledges and who honors those things has. I mean, look (laughs) at us right now. (laughs) We're we're talking, we're guests on your podcast together, and I think that speaks volumes of you know where we've been, where we're at, and where we're going. So that support is definitely you know a huge part of my confidence.
0: Absolutely, having support does help us feel more confident. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's right, because you don't. Nobody's just gonna be like, "Oh, that was crushing." What that person said hurt, and then just bounce right back. Yeah. Like we all wallow for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, right, right? You know, <laughs>
0: you gotta, you gotta let yourself have that time. Because a lot of people feel bad. They do. They ask us questions like, mm-hmm. "You know, I, I every night I go to bed and I cry every night." You know, and there's something mm-hmm. that's the shame about mm-hmm. expressing our feelings, our emotions, or giving us our time to feel when something crappy happens like you feel crappy that right. is a normal reaction you should not feel bad about that yeah. <laughs> you know right uh and then after some designated period of time after you feel like you have cried your cry and your tears you know that's when you go okay when is enough enough yeah that's the absolutely that's the step you have to take to say how how will i no, no longer be crushed by this expectation so i could do the work and do what you guys describe you know any last thoughts?
2: Um, last thoughts. I mean, just thank you. Um, thank you to the listeners for being, you know, vul- vulnerable, enough to, to reach out, share curious enough. Thank you, Teresa, um, to America. Uh, it's always good. We've, 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 um, we wrapped up season one a bit ago and I, you know, you, I know how good the podcast feels when we're doing it, but you know, we're f- I'm feeling it again, so I'm just really, really appreciative and thankful to you, Princess, as well. Just, I'm glad we get to do this, and and you know, the platform because it's always good to to let the let the open the valve,
1: open the valve, open the valve. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, thank you, Teresa, for this opportunity just to share, you know, our stories, um, provide us with that space to talk about the things that we're doing, um, and I guess to leave with the audience again, tune in to talk about a podcast just to continue to feel and talk about what you feel just don't resist what it is in the moment take that all in good bad neutral and then talk about it well
0: i want to thank you both and if you're checking us out uh check them out on talk about it
2: yep right so you can find us here yeah, <laughs> yes. talk, talk about, about it, it about um it. the talk ahead, about Mario. it podcast um, <laughs> dot com yeah, the, the TalkAboutItPodcast.com. Talk com. It. You know that domain thing, but also I think it has a ring to it. And um, you can find us on Instagram T-L-K-about-it, um podcast as well.
0: So check out our friends Mario and Princess at Talk About It Podcast. But talk about it, tlk about it. Yep. Yes. Sports and mental health, which is I'm gonna have to check it out just so I can up my we'll game have you, wait, we'll have sport. you ready yeah you yeah. sound no, ready
2: bitch. but we'll have you we'll have you it, it's, it's just it's just it. yeah, you, you know common language at this point but you're actually ready
0: we're gonna yeah, uh, I it like. was a band nerd so we could talk you could you could bring me on as a guest from Ooh, the other yeah. expectation yeah, no what joke drum line <laughs> okay cool all right <laughs> y'all thank you so much Um uh, thanks everybody and keep on fighting in the open yeah talk to you next week bye